Back when I was in college, um, a friend of mine and I, his name was Brent, we actually took a four-day hike in the Rocky Mountains. It was a wonderful trip. I actually have a photograph of Brent and me. This is, a, this is the ancient look of a selfie. That's when you had a stick and the camera was on the rock and you reached that stick, as you can see Brent's arm there, and you snap a picture of us there high atop a, a mountain in the Rocky Mountains. Uh, this four-day trip was where an outfitter um, drove us, followed us to where we would drop off our car at the end point, and then we got in his car, and he drove us all the way up to the trailhead, which we figured out would be about a four-day hike down to our car. So he drops us off at the trailhead and drives away, and there Brent and I are, all by ourselves, where we got to head off onto the trail and make our way to where the car was parked. And I got to tell you, it was one of those lifetime moments. It was a wonderful experience. The aspen trees were rustling, rustling in the in the sunlight and sparkling. And and you get up by all those pine trees and you see the just the beauty of God's creation. We kept climbing an altitude, you know, where all of a sudden you see patches of snow where it's like it's permanent snow, you know, it's high enough where this is never really going to melt. And we come along, and as we're going, um, we come around this bend, and all of a sudden we are stopped dead in our tracks. Like in front of us, the trail literally just stops, and there is this snow wall that is 30 feet at least high. Like, okay, uh, what do we do? Um, you know, we're like two days into the hike by this time. Uh, you can't really go back. The, there's nobody back where you go back. Um, you know, this was before the days of cell phones. So, uh, like, where, what do you do? We're, we were literally stuck, staring at literally a snow wall, and we didn't know what to do. <laughs> it happens in life, actually. Um, we seem to be going along. Life is just kind of cruising right along. Then all of a sudden, bam, we hit a barrier. We get stuck in some way. Um, my nephew, uh, when he was younger, so much younger than today, I don't know, a lyric all of a sudden came to my mind. But he, uh, he wanted to be in the Marines, and uh, he did everything he needed to do to be in the Marines, getting himself in shape and all that kind of stuff. And then he gets a physical and finds out that he has asthma, and now he's not allowed to be in the Marines, not allowed to serve in the military. All of a sudden, a barrier. What? He had his plan. He knew he was going to be a Marine. I have another relative who uh, graduated from college, made super grades in college, great, great student. And, and then she applied for PA school, physician's assistant school. She, she just knew she was going to be a physician's assistant. And uh, the schools that she applied to to become a physician's assistant, none of them accepted her. Wait, this is the plan. This is the direction that she knew she wanted to go. And, and, and then uh, there was this barrier, this wall. You're not going in that direction. I've talked to children who struggle when... Mom and dad have said they're separating. There's all of a sudden this big wall that goes up uh, in front of their sense of security. There's, there's now no longer this feeling of security. There's this barrier that all of a sudden they have to try and navigate. Talked to a couple who uh, knew that it was God's call on their life, that they would um, 
become missionaries, and they went through all of the stuff that, that they were supposed to do in order to move in the direction that they felt God was leading them to become missionaries, when all of a sudden the missionary organization stopped them cold in their tracks. A wall went up. This isn't the direction that we think God has for your life. Barriers. They're real. And if you haven't experienced one yet, just wait. It's coming. When they happen, what do we do? How do we handle them? How do we get through them or go around them? I mean, to face them takes courage. To navigate them takes wisdom. Over the past few weeks, we've been following the biblical account of the nation of Israel entering into the promised land, or about ready to enter into the promised land. And, and uh, this is a, a, a land that God said, you will possess the land. They've been wandering for 40 years in the wilderness, and now comes the time. Today, actually, as we dive into Joshua chapter 3, uh, we are going to see that they're actually going to enter into the promised land. The, way, the long-awaited promise is going to be fulfilled. And yet, there was a hiccup. <laughs> There was a barrier that they came up against. It's called the Jordan River. How do you get over a million people from the east side of the Jordan River over to the west side of the Jordan River? I mean, God said, we're going to bring you into the promised land, but there's this huge barrier called the Jordan River. And at this time that we're reading about today, this was during the time of the harvest, the the barley harvest. It would be in the springtime. And so um, the mountain, Mount Hermon in particular, would be draining a lot of water. The river was over flooding its banks. This was an impossible barrier to get around. So how how do they do it? And for us, when facing a barrier, what do we do? First question I want to ask, what do we do when we face a barrier in life? Well, if you have your Bibles handy, you can follow along with me in Joshua chapter 3 as we continue our series through the book of Joshua. We now arrive at chapter 3. If you don't have a Bible, I always have the Scriptures up here on the screen for you. You can follow along that way. Um, But let's read Joshua chapter 3, beginning at verse 1. It says this, Then Joshua rose early in the morning, And he and all the sons of Israel set out from Shittim and came to the Jordan. And they lodged there before they crossed. Now this opening verse, this first verse, is a really broad stroke of the brush. It's like this is what's happening. This is the big, big stroke. But then in the verses to follow, uh, the book of Joshua will fill in the details. But um, to understand where they came from, the city or the town of Shittim, and we're moving down to the Jordan River, I have a map here for you. Oh, look it, there it is already. Um, so here's, here's the town that they were all kind of camped out in, like I said, over a million strong, and they made this trek down to the Jordan River. This is about a 10-mile trek. That's the direction that they were heading. And I, I wonder, now why would God move them from there and just get them down to the river and have them, have them sit there and wait for... For, uh, to cross the river. Um, I think it was intentional, actually. I think God wanted them to get closer to see the impossible barrier that lay before them. To see that, that this was something that they just could no way get through. I wonder if God does that for us, too. If He reveals to us impossible barriers. Barriers that we come up against. You know, a job 
fell through or news about the health of those that we love that just seems overwhelming in many ways. When the future looks insurmountable, I want to entertain the truth that God may be revealing this barrier to us so that He can reveal more of His glory to us. But I kind of get ahead of us here. Um, Let's ask that question. When facing a barrier, what do we do? The first thing we do what the nation of Israel did is we wait on the Lord. When we face a a barrier, wait on the Lord. Notice verse 2. At the end of three days, the officers went through the midst of the camp and they commanded the people saying, when you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, your God, with a Levitical priest carrying it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. The Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. Just so we're all clear on what we're talking about here. This was a box, a golden covered box. Those poles on the bottom were um, where the Levitical priests would carry the Ark, actually. And uh, this was, uh, inside the Ark was uh, the Ten Commandments. And um, Aaron, Moses' brother, had a rod, a staff that he would walk with. And all of a sudden it started to bud to show that he had his leadership position. And so uh, his staff that budded was inside that uh, box, as well as uh, some manna that God was feeding the people, this manna, which we'll talk about in a minute or two, but um, that, that the sample of the manna was in that box too. But, but you see that bottom line there in that list. Um, that's really what we want to focus on about the Ark of the Covenant. It symbolized God's presence. The Ark of the Covenant symbolized this is God with His people. And what what, what was being said here in Joshua 3 is, wait until the Lord goes before you. Don't move any faster than he did, than he does. I mean, the, the nation of Israel is finally there, right? They're at the side, the shore of the, of the Jordan River, and they're ready. They're ready to go into the promised land. They've been waiting for 40 years for this to happen. And God says, hold on, wait. Wait, can't God see? I mean, we are ready, you know? I mean, we can figure this out. What, what's the next thing? What's the next thing that we have to do? Let's see. Well, you know, just a little bit to the north, there's a ford in the river. A ford, you know, a shallow part where people can walk across. About single file. It's just a narrow little strip. What do you say we move the million people up a little bit north and we can just go single file right across the Jordan River? It'll be fine. I realize that with all these people, it's probably going to take weeks months probably, but we're going to go across the river that way. I mean, we can do something instead of just sitting here, right? I realize that if we cross that way, we, some of us will get to the other side. Our enemies will probably be there. They'll probably, you know, attack us. We work better if we stay together as a group, but we got to do something. We can't just, we can't just sit here. We've got to move. We've got to make the next move. No. Wait. Don't go ahead of the Lord. Wait for the Lord to go before you. Doesn't God see that we'd be better off if I got this job? I mean, He cares for my family, right? I mean, why isn't He making this job a reality for me? Come on, God. I mean, you know. You see what's good. Doesn't God intervene to fix this marriage? I mean, you know, we can't just keep languishing where we're at. This isn't working out very well. Come on, God, fix it. Let's move a little bit. God heals, right? I mean, the Bible says God heals. So, so God heal my loved one's cancer. You can do it, so do it. 
Listen, listen to the words of the Lord in Isaiah 40. Isaiah 40, verse 27. Why do you say, O Jacob, and assert, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and the justice due me escapes the notice of my God? Why doesn't God move? Why can't we move? Why can't we keep going? I mean, I don't want to just sit here and do nothing. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, does not become weary or tired. His understanding is inscrutable. He gives strength to the weary, and to him who lacks might, he increases power. Though youths grow weary and tired, and vigorous young men stumble badly, yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles, They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. That whole passage, there's only one thing that we're called to do. You see that in verse 31? Wait for the Lord. God knows our situation better than we do. He sees every single angle. And He knows the future perfectly. Now, we may think we know what's best for us, but our understanding can't even hold a candle to the infinite understanding of God. So wait and let God renew our strength. But it's a logical question to ask. Well, then how do we know when we're supposed to move? I mean, should we wait forever? I mean, you know, when do you know when you're supposed to move? Well, often it's, it's logical when we move. I mean, you got a health issue? Go see a doctor. That job fell through? Go apply for another job. That school didn't accept you? Try a different school. But when a barrier is there, and there doesn't seem to be a logical next step, wait. Lean on the Lord. Pray. Ask others to pray with you. To hold you up. Keep our eyes on the Lord. He goes before us. And He will direct our steps. Which leads to the next thing. When when facing a barrier, we should set ourselves apart for the Lord. When facing a barrier, set ourselves apart in the service of the Lord, committed to Him. Back in Joshua chapter 3, verse 4. However, there shall be between you and it, that would be the Ark of the Covenant, a distance of about 2,000 cubits by measure. Now, a cubit was about 18 inches, so that would be 3,000 feet. Yes, thank you, Jeremy. Do the math quick. 3,000 feet, about a a half a mile. Um, So, Do not come near it. Don't come near the ark. Keep your distance. Because the ark is holy. It represents the presence of God and we have to treat it as holy. That you may know the way by which you shall go for you have not passed this way before. Then Joshua said to the people, Consecrate yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. 
consecrate yourselves. That's what it means by setting ourselves apart for the Lord. When we talk about the mission, why God has us here in Manitowoc, uh, this area, why we as a church are here, that we want to reach the lost of Manitowoc, we want to tithe Manitowoc, we want to carry out our mission to invite people into a relationship with Jesus and together become devoted followers of Him. You'll oftentimes hear me say, you know what I want? I want that to be unexplainable apart from God. Have you ever heard me say that? Unexplainable apart from God. That we carry this out and it's all His doing. I think God wants that for our lives as well. That our lives would be described as, you know, this life, it is unexplainable apart from God. I mean, the life that I live, it's unexplainable. I mean, I see Him working. It's just amazing. I can't explain it apart from Him. And the only way that we will have a life like that is if we consecrate ourselves to Him. If, which means we surrender our lives to Him. Which means we say, okay, God, I, I, I'm not going to do it my way. I'm going to do it your way. I want to be used by you to do whatever you want to do with my life. The Israelites, they, um, they, like I said, have been wandering for 40 years in the wilderness. This is the big moment that they're coming up to. But, you know, while they're wandering in the wilderness, and even at this time too, every single morning when they woke up, there was manna on the ground. Now, manna was God feeding the Israelites. Um, it was... Scholars believe it's kind of like a flaky bread that was like on the ground when they woke up in the morning, and they would just gather whatever they needed to eat for that day, and then there would be manna the next day when they woke up again. They were only to take enough for that one day, except for to, on the Sabbath day to take a little extra for that. But, but basically, God, God took care of them for those 40 years. It's like God was faithfully giving them food every single day. Great. But you know, after 40 years, what seems pretty miraculous ends up becoming quite quite normal, you know, quite expected. Of course, yeah, well, every time we wake up, the man is there, you know, it's just, it's just what we do. It's how we live. It's just the way it is. And when it comes to our lives, I think we can kind of go, well, yeah, I mean, that's just normal. I mean, that's just expected, you know. Things like, um, oh, we have a roof over our heads, you know. We, we don't go hungry. It's just the way it is. Uh, you know, for many of us, we've got a, got a decent job. I mean, you know, we're making a living, you know, whatever. Um, we, we live in a pretty nice community. The community's not bad. I mean, it's nice, you know. Uh, um, we have people who love us. You know, of course they love I mean, you know, we, we have people who love us, sure. Well, the Bible says in James 1.17, every good and perfect gift is from the Father. Everything that's good about life is from the Lord. It's like He gives us manna. It's like He gives us His goodness. It's like He takes care of us. Yet to see God in a profound way we must set ourselves apart for His holy purposes. We must dedicate ourselves to Him. We must consecrate ourselves to Him. It's the only way that we will have eyes to see the wonderful work of the Lord. Well, second question I think we have to ask when we're facing a barrier is then, who do we follow? Okay, we've got a, we've got a barrier here. Um, not quite sure what to do with it. Uh, who do we look to for help? Look at uh, verse 6. And Joshua spoke to the priests, saying, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and cross over ahead of the people. So they took up the Ark of the Covenant and went ahead of the people. In other words, the Ark of the Covenant represents the presence of God. So God goes before them. So 
the first thing he says is follow God. I mean, for us, we say, yes, of course, if we're going to follow, we need to follow God. And yet God puts people in our path to help us navigate how to follow God. God put Joshua as a leader of the nation of Israel so they would know how to follow God. God appoints people for us in order to help us know how to follow God. Look at verse 7. Now the Lord said to Joshua, This day I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that just as I have been with Moses, I'll be with you. You shall moreover command the priests who are carrying the Ark of the Covenant, saying, When you come to the edge of the water of the Jordan, you shall stand still in the Jordan. So yeah, um, notice that God is exalting Joshua into that position of leadership. In verse 7 again, notice that he does say, listen, I will exalt you in the sight of all Israel. I will raise you up to be the leader that I'm calling you to be so that you can lead this nation. And notice how he compares that or ties it into the way that he exalted Moses. In other words, Joshua followed in the footsteps of Moses. He was trained by Moses. He was brought up by Moses. He was Moses' right-hand man. He had this history about him. So, the nation of Israel would say, well, you know, just like we follow Moses, of course we're going to follow you. You've got the history. You've got the training. Isaac had Abraham. Solomon had David that went before him. The prophet Elisha had the great prophet Elijah that went before him and helped him and trained him and was influential in his life. The history and the training of a leader helps us decide if we should consider following them or not. I think that's true. The history and the, lead, and the training of a leader helps us decide if we should consider following them or not. And these leaders that I'm talking about are leaders who proclaim God's truth. I'm not just talking about it. I think the Word of God tells us to, that too. These leaders are leaders who proclaim God's truth. Look at verse 9. Then Joshua said to the sons of Israel, Come here and hear the words of the Lord your God. Hear the words of the Lord. Come here and listen to God's truth. Come here and hear what God has to say about this barrier that we're up against and how we're to handle it. And it was Joshua who was the leader that God had put in place in order to declare God's truth to God's people. God appoints leaders to point us to His truth. The truth about God. The truth about our reality. The truth about the barriers we face. The truth about how we are to live our lives for Him. God gives us leaders to speak His wisdom into our lives. Listen to how Joshua spoke the truth about God and the truth from God to the people. Verse 10, Joshua said, By this you shall know, the living God is among you. Now before I go on, he's talking about who God is. He is a living God. He is not just some distant thought or some higher power. Um, he is alive. He is a being. He is, and He is not some distant God. He's not out there sort of, we can't barely reach Him. He is among us. He's a personal God. He wants us to know Him personally, and He wants, uh, he wants us to allow Him to know us personally as well on an emotional level. 
And then he talks about how he fulfills his promises. He is a God who fulfills his promises. Look at what he goes on to say. And he will assuredly dispossess from before you the Canaanite, the Hittite, the Hivite, the Perizzite, the Girgashite, the Amorite, and the Jebusite. All of these ites that are in the land, he's going to remove from, from before you. What's up with that, by the way? <laughs> I mean, that doesn't seem right. I mean, they were there. What do you mean God's going to come and just push them out of the land? Well, just because the people were there didn't mean they got to stay there. <laughs> this isn't this first-come, first-served basis. You know, hey, they're there. You can't kick them out. I mean, if it's first-come, first-served, then, then we realize when you study the history of that area, they kicked the people out ahead of them. And they kicked the people out ahead of them. And there was this taking over of, you know, towns and cities and land going on all, all over the place over there. Matter of fact, you can go all the way back to Abraham. Abraham was in that land. And it was, in Ab- it was to Abraham that God said, I'm going to give you this land. There's a family. Well, we'll call them the, uh, the Smith family. Smith family had little Johnny. And Johnny was, uh, um, well, he's a middle schooler, but he loved to call shotgun. No matter where they went, I got shotgun! And he'd run out to the car, and he'd hop in the passenger side and sit there where everybody else is kind of getting together and running out to the car behind him. Now, one night, the Smith family was going to go out to eat, and they had everybody there, and they're heading out to, the, to their SUV. And sure enough, Johnny says, I got shotgun! And he goes running out to the car, and he hops in the passenger seat. And everybody else is gathering their stuff, and they're getting out there. And they get out to the SUV, and Dad gets in the, in the driver's seat, and he said, now, Johnny, just because you called shotgun, and because you're in the passenger seat, doesn't mean you get to sit there. Uh-uh, Grandma's visiting us right now. Grandma gets to sit in the passenger seat. So you get out of that front seat, and you hold the door for Grandma. When she's in, you close the door, and you hop in the back seat. See, it's Grandma's right. It's Grandma's privilege to sit in that seat. Yeah. <laughs> you don't get to sit there just because you call it. Throughout the Old Testament, these tribes, all these ites that I just read to you, uh, they would sort of, take occupation and take occupation. But one of the descriptions that the Old Testament says over and over again about all of these different tribes of people is they did abominations against the Lord. They did extreme evil against the Lord. And Joshua was there to proclaim God's truth. Just because they were there, just because they called shotgun, didn't mean it was their right and their privilege to have the land. No. That right and privilege belonged to the nation of Israel. Long before any of those tribes were there, God promised it to Abraham. And Joshua was the leader who stood up in the face of their opposition and proclaimed that truth to the nation of Israel. Proclaimed God's truth. When we face a barrier, follow the leaders who proclaim God's truth. And secondly, when we face a barrier... uh, We must follow the leaders who promote God's plan. Promote God's plan. Look at verse 11. Joshua promotes the plan of God. He says, Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth is crossing over ahead of you into the Jordan. Now then, take for yourselves 12 men from the tribes of Israel, one man from each tribe. Now, by the way, that verse 12 there, it feels a little out of place when we read the rest of the, of the account here. Uh, it's because he's highlighting something that he's going to actually 
elaborate on in chapter 4, when we get to chapter 4, is these 12 guys are actually going to be used to grab stones from the center of the river and make a memorial to to God, but but that's for when we get to chapter 4. But we continue reading verse 13. It shall come about when the soles of the feet of the priests who carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, rests in the waters of the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan will be cut off, and the waters which are flowing down from above will stand in one heap. Can you imagine that? So God tells Joshua, here's what's going to happen. When the priests step down into the water, the waters are going to stop up. The Jordan is going to stop up, and the waters are going to begin to heap up. They're going to keep flowing, but they're just going to keep heaping up, and then you get to cross over the dry ground. Wow. Now that's going to be pretty cool. That's going to be pretty fascinating. You know, today, (laughs) we're in a different time and place. I mean, you know, I don't know that we can expect something like that. I mean, it could happen. Who knows? But but God is still, though, wanting to carry out His plan for our lives. He still wants us to proclaim His plan for our lives. I, I said that saying, you know, make, make it unexplainable apart from you. There's another saying I like to say, and it goes like this. God's way is the right way. And if you don't do it God's way, it's the wrong way. Period. God's way is the right way. And if you don't do it God's way, it's the wrong way. God's plan is the right plan. And if we don't do God's plan, it's the wrong plan. So things like marriage between one man and one woman. That's God's plan. The sanctity of human life that begins at conception. That's God's plan. Seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. Seek first God's eternal purposes. Invest first and foremost in what matters to God and His righteousness. The things that are right in His eyes. Do that first. Because that's God's plan. Humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord. Stay humble before the Lord because it's God's plan. We could go on and on. Bottom line, when faced with a barrier, when faced with a barrier, seek the wisdom of someone who will help navigate it, not with just coming up with any old plan, but someone who would promote God's plan. Seek wisdom from people who would promote God's plan when we face a barrier. Well, with how far we've come in Joshua chapter 3, how far the Israelites have come, they're there, they're at the water's edge, they've heard from Joshua what's going to be happening. Come to one more question that we have to answer. When facing a barrier, how do we get through it? (laughs) Okay, it's there. We've done all this stuff. Now, how do we finally get through the barrier? Two things. First of all, follow the Lord by faith. Follow the Lord by faith. This is what the Israelites did. It was time for them to step out in faith now. Look at verse 14. So when the people set out from their tents to cross the Jordan with the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant before the people. Now the sentence goes on, but let me just stop a moment. They pack up their their tents. They pack up their stuff. Hey, this is the moment. You know, this is when it's going to happen. The priests have stepped out in front of us. They seem to be moving. So, hey, let's follow. You know, let's follow where the Lord is leading. Let's follow the Lord by faith. You know, when we came up to that snow wall, Brent and I, and we didn't know what to do, you know, we weighed all of our options. We weren't sure what to do. 
What do you do? We're stuck two days in. There's no place. We did the next step. The only thing we could have done. we got to climb the snow. There's a photograph friend took of me. We started climbing up this big snow wall. Like, okay. And we figured we got to get on top of that snow so that we can look around and see, like, where does the trail pick up? There's got to be a place where the trail picks up. You know, we've got to be able to see it. We'll scout around. I mean, the snow doesn't go on forever. There's got to be a way. And I'm standing here today because I found the way. <laughs> we saw it. Oh, ha We got it. We got the trail over here. Let's go. We got the trail over here. We found it. When we felt like we were stuck, we weren't stuck. We weighed our options. We figured it out. And we said, we got to take the next step to get back on the path, to get back on the trail. When we've waited for the Lord, when we've consecrated ourselves to Him, when we've gotten the wisdom and the direction from the Lord, we've sought the wise counsel, when we weighed everything, and we know it's time to move, then it's time to follow the Lord in faith. To trust that He's going to carry us. He's going to get us through the barrier. Set us on the right path. For my nephew, when he didn't get into the military, he, he sought wise counsel and the next direction was you got to go to, to school, to college. He's going to graduate from college this May. <laughs> yeah, wonderful. He's going to go on to grad school after that. My other loved one didn't get into PA school. She's going to graduate this year in a master's in nursing. And she's going to make a wonderful nurse. I mean, she's so caring. She loves people. It's a wonderful, different direction when she came up against a barrier. What's it for you? Are you stuck? Is there a barrier? Maybe it's time right now to follow the Lord in faith. Take that next step. You're not stuck. And then, <laughs> we just watch the Lord in wonder. We watch the Lord do His thing. We will see Him actively working in our lives as we follow after Him. That's what the Israelites did. Look at verse 14 again. Let me read it to you again. So when the people set out from their tents to cross the Jordan with the priests carrying the ark, of the covenant before the people. And when those who carried the ark came into the Jordan, and the feet of the priests carrying the ark were dipped into the edge of the water, for the Jordan overflows all its banks in the days of harvest. I told you it was overflowing its banks, the days of harvest. This was like, uh, you know, amazing how much water was there. The waters which were flowing down from above stood and rose up in one heap, a great distance away, at Adam, the city that is beside Zarethan, and those which were flowing down toward the Sea of Arabah, the Salt Sea, were completely cut off. So the people crossed opposite Jordan, uh, Jericho. <laughs> it's awesome. Can you imagine being there? Can you imagine that? All of a sudden, the, the priests step into the water and then, whoop, 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 there's no more flow. And it says it stopped up in, in Adam. Now, let me just help us understand this. Let me show you where Adam is. Oh, here it is. Uh, Adam is way up here. 
I picture probably guessing that near Adam would be right where these two rivers cross. I would imagine he stopped up the water right there so that all of this was dried out. This, by the way, is about a 20-mile stretch of river. And so where they were crossing was about here. So you're looking at about a 10 to 13-mile stretch of water to the north. It's like from here to Valders, if you're wondering about the distances. Uh, you know, that the water is stopped up. And, you know, initially they can't see anything, right? Initially they're, they're like, wow, look at no water. And, like, where did it all go? But it says that it was heaping up. And I picture that as the priests are standing there and the million-plus people begin to cross the Jordan like, this is, this, is, uh, this is crazy, you know? They start looking to the north. And as they look to the north, they see the Ark of the Covenant standing there, the priests holding the Ark of the Covenant. And then behind the, the Ark of the Covenant and the priests, off in the distance, they start seeing a line of water. As the water continues to heap up 10, 15 miles to the north. Can you imagine this? you imagine what they, what they must have been experiencing? Look at verse 17. And the priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firm on ground in the middle of the Jordan while all Israel crossed on dry ground until all the nation had finished crossing the Jordan. Ha-ha! They did it! They entered the promised land. Well, God did it. Clearly, God did it. They finally are there. I think we're going into the promised land. Look at the water way up there. You see the water way up there? Look at that. <laughs> we're going, guys. Come on. We're going. And they enter into the promised land. Something that is absolutely unexplainable apart from God. Unexplainable apart from Him. Whatever barrier we're facing, you and I, a difficult decision about your future, a relationship that needs to be set in a new direction. A disappointment that you have to work through. I'm here to tell us, God wants to do a wonderful work in our lives. This barrier He has in front of us is there on purpose. So wait on the Lord. Consecrate ourselves. Seek the wisdom that we need to seek. Step out in faith. And watch what God's going to do. He is going to do something far more abundantly than you could even ask or think. That's not me saying it. That's God in His Word saying it. I can't wait to hear the stories of how God moved you through a barrier. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for being among us, being a living God. Thank you, Lord, for being a God who wants us to see the barriers so that we might see you work. Whatever you have brought to our minds and our hearts, help us to grow in our relationship with you through it. Help us grow in 
waiting on you, trusting in you, following you. God, thank you. Thank you that you love us so much. I pray for all of us, in particular I think of people maybe here that are struggling a bit. They have a barrier and they're not sure how to get through it. Move by your Spirit in them. Give them your peace that passes understanding. Help them to know how much you care for them in this moment. And Jesus, we praise you for your love for us, your mercy and grace toward us. And we pray this in your holy name. Amen.